Before we start this week's podcast, we'd like to encourage our listeners to consider donating to the NAACP Legal Defense and Education Fund. It's a nonprofit organization that fights for racial justice. Through litigation, advocacy, and public education, they seek structural changes to expand democracy, eliminate disparities, and achieve racial justice in a society that fulfills the promise of equality for all Americans. Visit www.naacpldf.org to donate to an incredibly important cause. Okay, we're live. Welcome back to the Drinking and Talking Fantasy Football Podcast. Good evening, everyone. Thank you for joining us. Uh, we've got a great episode this week uh, with a very special guest, Zach Reed. Good evening, Zach. How are you doing? I'm fantastic. Thank you for having me on, fellas. This is this is great. I'm I'm pumped to go live. This is good. Yeah, we're <laughs> we're happy to have you. So, um, before we get into it, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, where we can find you, all that good stuff. Uh, I am one of the the co-hosts of the Dynasty Dummies podcast, uh, the the lesser of of the two co-hosts. You really want to be following Kyle uh, at Caleb Breck. He's he's the 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 man who drives the machine, and I'm just kind of clinging on for dear life. But we're over at the DFPN Network. Uh, we got a whole bunch of of great shows over there, including. Uh, J. Mike, uh, John McCann, who hosts the Open Bar, does a show on the, the DFPN network feed uh, and the Blitz, the Dummy Blitz. And it is the best show. Uh, he did 15 minutes and he, he asked all the questions that you never knew you needed the answer to. But then you have to figure out the answers. But he asked the question. And to me, that's even more valuable. So that's 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 really it's it's not about me. I'm 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 just the dummy, man. <laughs> Oh, that's great. Uh, that's how I feel every day, too, so it's fine. I think we're in the same boat there. <laughs> but, yeah, thanks thanks for coming on. We've got a great show tonight. Uh, we are doing a little quarter-season pause here. Take a little break. We're, we're quarter way through the fantasy season here, and, and we're going to do a little rookie review tonight, uh, talking about where we think the rookies are, how they perform so far. Uh, we'll kind of hit our highlights and 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 maybe talk about where we see these rookies finishing or if there's some late bloomers, so to speak, that are, are going to be coming on later in the season. We'll get into all that. Uh, but first things first, Jacob, my co-host. Yes, sir. What are you drinking tonight? I am throwing down, because of course it's Oktoberfest season, I am doing a Raised Grain Doctoberfest, which I just learned before coming on air here, that this is uh, apparently named Doctoberfest because it's brewed by two doctors, uh, but I was dumb and didn't realize <laughs> that until just eight moments ago. Yeah, and uh, it was great. I, I told Jake I wish we would have been recording when he had that realization because the surprise in his voice was just gold. It was great. <laughs> you don't get to genuinely be shocked by such small things as that too often in this life. So you have no. to enjoy them when they occur. That's right. Absolutely. Well, I am drinking a nice thick coffee stout as the weather's starting to turn here in the Midwest. Although by today you wouldn't know it, it was actually fairly nice out, but, uh, this weekend it was nice and chilly. And so I grabbed a nice coffee stout, uh, 
to get me through these cooler days and nights. Uh, and it is just a delicious beer. You can't go wrong with coffee stout winter. It all goes together. So uh, I really like this beer. It is just uh, fantastic. Gives you a little perk. It a does. little perk. A little pick me up, if you will. That's now, it. I think for our next segment that that person that we're going to be talking about probably could have used a little perk. Oh, absolutely. I'm just spoiler alert. Yes, our drunk, 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 hammer, drunk, 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 drunk trade of the week. So this one comes from at Chris Moxley. So Chris traded Zach Ertz for a 2021 second, a 2022 second, and Chris Herndon. Now this occurred this past offseason. Okay, yes. so this was right before the actual season started. I wanted to include this one this week because you fellas, I need to know two things. One, where you might have fallen, and be honest, where you might have fallen on this trade in the offseason, and then where you fall on this trade now that we have four weeks of information, in particular about Zach Ertz. So, Zach, I would like you, since you share a namesake here, uh, to give us an honest reaction here. So, number one, how do you feel at the time, so at some point in this offseason, that this went for the uh, the trader of Zachers. So I am a firm believer of the tight end wasteland. And so once you get beyond uh, Kelsey and Kittle and maybe Andrews and Ertz, I think you are in a barren, barren place. And if I have one of those guys, especially a Zach Ertz, who has uh, led the Eagles in targets both of the last two years and uh, when he was – even the two years before that, where he was nicked up, he finished second and led them in target share. He's doing it again. Like, he's seeing targets again. I, I would have been away from Herndon, uh, and especially if it's tight end premium, which I don't know. I mean, I don't have the, the uh, full league layout. Uh, but if it's tight end premium where you're getting, you know, 1.5, or I'm in a couple of leagues with Dynasty Outhouse where he goes 1.75 per catch per, with a tight end, all of a sudden, somebody like Ertz, I'm not, I'm not giving up Ertz and give, getting Herndon in and two seconds. Don't you can get a second in your draft, in your rookie mm-hmm. draft. If, if you are sitting there, I, I am a guy, and I, I hate to take the floor and run with it, but Please I'm, do. A, I'm a, I'm a believer in. I want the first round picks, okay? Mm-hmm. But in season, if somebody says a second round pick will get a trade done, boom. I'm getting rid of it because in my rookie draft, I know I can sit there and trade you a third and next year's second and get the pick that I want. I did that and grabbed Brian Edwards in a bunch of places this year uh, because that's you can you can almost buy on credit with those. So seconds don't interest me, especially now, especially future seconds. Like let's 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 keep Ertz. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like that. And now I assume that you still stand by that. Yeah. Then now it's all the same. Yeah, and and I look. I know Ertz has not been fantastic. I know he's only got 140 yards receiving so far this year, but he's seen targets. Eventually, Wentz is going to you know fix his rectal cranial inversion and <laughs> and remove his head, and and things are going to be better for the Eagles and better for Ertz, and and that's that's the side I fall on. Yeah, I'm, I'm exactly the same. I, it's just. Uh, especially after last year, knowing what the Eagles went through as far as the injuries and him being so hyper-targeted, uh, you, you 
and it's, and especially as this offseason progressed and, you know, Alshon Jeffrey was, you know, dinged up and injured and, you know, JJ Arcega Whiteside was nowhere to be found. <laughs> He's on a milk carton somewhere. Uh, it, you know, it, and then with Rager getting dinged up early, you should have seen that this was coming, that he was going to be a focal point of this offense again. And I know they've got Goddard, um, you know, but they proved last year that both of them could coexist and do fantasy relevant weeks together. So to give him up for two seconds and Chris Herndon, who I know we'd like to think he's going to do something, but <laughs> as long as Gase is there at the head coach of the Jets, it's like, do you really think he's going to do anything? Ugh, I don't like that at all. That's one of the more lopsided ones we've had recently. Now, see, it's interesting that you brought up the Gase conundrum because when I was looking at this trade and you both stayed basically like, well, it is what it is, whether it was three months ago or whether it's now, this is an awful trade. And I will not argue that, by the way. This is still a bad <laughs> trade. However, a few months ago, I think this trade looked so much worse in my opinion. Yeah. I wanted this guy, like, you should have gotten an MRI the next day after <laughs> submitting this trade uh, for two seconds at Chris Herndon. Now, I... I I'm not anti-Zach Ertz still. He's going to get the targets. You're absolutely right about that. I don't know if I'm as confident in him being a top three tight end like I just assumed. I assumed he was three or four regardless uh, coming into this season, and he could still bear that out. Um, it's, it's a long season. We're going to talk about uh, some other things that are related to that further on in the episode. But now... Um, We've also seen Chris Herndon be nothing for four weeks. But if Adam Gaze does get fired, because spoiler alert, we're going to talk about another coach firing here coming up very quickly. <laughs> uh, if that starts this ball rolling and Gaze is out of town, maybe Chris Herndon becomes something. Uh, and that's going to maybe salvage your trade for you. But yeah, I, I still am not a fan of this one. No, not at all. Um, so Chris Moxley, I'm sorry. This is a bad, <laughs> bad trade. <laughs> All right. But we love you, and please yes. listen and continue submitting. <laughs> I'll say, tune in uh, next year around January. We'll start uh, rolling out the guys you want to pick with those seconds. Yes. So. <laughs> God, we need you on every week to promote. <laughs> oh, yes. All right. So, Jake, right. as you uh, alluded to here, we had a head coach firing here four weeks into the season. I think everybody – Everybody was surprised that this firing happened so soon and that Bill O'Brien was the first head coach fired. Uh, what do you guys think about this? Uh, look, it, it, it had to happen. Uh, it, it, was, it was interesting, I think, that conversation between the GM and the coach. Do you, do you think, you think <laughs> O'Brien just looked in the mirror, flipped himself off, and was like, you're fired? You know, that, that, uh, but, but the team, man, the team is in shambles. Ugh. Like that, that's the thing is if I'm a head coach or a, a hopeful head coach, Houston's not a team that I'm interested in. They don't have their first round pick for like two years. Mm -hmm. they, they, you know, they got rid of DeAndre Hopkins. You've got, I mean, their, their offense is fine, but you're going to have to start paying guys. Like it's just, it's, it's, gross yeah same for the gm too it's like you know i i think you would you would want yeah. some sort of uh uh contract that's set up where you're guaranteed you know a certain number of years that you're not going to get canned after two or three seasons so you, you can build and get back some of that draft capital that you've lost and dump some of these outrageous contracts they have on their team uh it, yeah it's just a gross gross situation you would almost have to like Sashi Brown it, mm -hmm. you know, where you trade you trade for a bunch of picks and kind of 
amass that capital two or three years in the future. I mean, it's almost like what we talk about when we talk about rebuilding dynasty, uh, where Kyle and I will advocate trading for seconds next year. If you identify a class two years in the future, that's going to be really good. So with the, with the Saquon Barkley's class or, um, the, the 2017 class also, we identified those classes early and said trade for a second, uh, in the year before, but trade for first. You know, in in that in that draft class, and and start amassing picks, and people don't really notice what you're doing until it's too late, and you have you know three or four first. That's that's what you have to do in this situation with Houston because the cupboard is completely bare. Mm-hmm. So doesn't it then have to start? This is where I start to get nervous because doesn't that amassing of picks have to start with QB? Because yeah. what's your most valuable asset yeah. is Deshaun Watson. So do we see Deshaun Watson being moved to hopefully what would be, of course, a very fantasy relevant situation? Or does he end up on the Jets? <laughs> we just going to spin wheels here. Oh. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. It's it's very nebulous, but uh, it's going to be an interesting situation to keep an eye on here. And now, just for the rest of this season, the best possible situation, wouldn't it be akin to 2018 Browns, where you have an interim head coach, I guess, take over possibly, and maybe that sparks something for the offense? You almost hope that you have to hope for something like that. I, I heard a rumor that O'Brien may stay on his offensive coordinator, though. Like that's well, like get that's, out of here. <laughs> I, I've heard that. <laughs> that uh, would the, be the, the most Bill O'Brien move ever. Well, I mean, it, it is. It's it's insane. But yeah, I think. But but again, you look at the fantasy pieces that they have there. Part of the reason why Houston is struggling. Part of the reason why Deshaun Watson is struggling is. Because, I mean, it's, it's the, the inverse to what's happening with Russell Wilson right now. I mean, everybody's been talking about Russell Wilson, let Russ cook, let Russ cook. Well, this year, he's not throwing any more than he ever was, but he's got the groceries to make the meal. I mean, he's got DK Metcalf now. He's, he's still got Tyler Lockett. Uh, you, you've seen uh, him use Chris Carson in the past game. So you've seen that team. And then you turn around and look at Houston. Well, you, you traded away one of the top five receivers in the NFL. Uh, you traded for a retread running back, you know, who who maybe David Johnson can can rekindle that flame, but I don't think yeah. so. And, and and you're asking him to do more with less at this point. And so, I mean, maybe a coaching change helps, but to me, it's it's going to be one of those like. It helps for a few games. You know, you get that initial boost mm-hmm. like, okay, you know, we're, we're out from underneath Bill O'Brien. Uh, you know, he's not doing stupid things. And then you realize, but we still suck. And, and then it kind of spirals <laughs> into oblivion. Oh, right. The rest of us are still just here doing yeah. what we've been doing. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah, that's that's unfortunate. Uh, do we have any takes on who's going to be the next coach to go? Anybody want to take a stab at who it should and could be? I mean, it should have been Gase before he was yes. hired. <laughs> I mean, at this point, though, I I wouldn't be surprised if Dan Quinn is the next one fired. Just, I mean, yeah. just they've got pieces there and they're just not making it happen. Uh, I mean, even. Even last night, uh, as a Packers homer, uh, you know, our defense is nothing to be afraid of right now. Uh, maybe towards the end of the season, it'll, it'll kind of come together a little bit more, but right now it's, it's got so many holes that there's no reason why the Falcons offense, at least, shouldn't have been able to keep up a bit with the Packers offense. So the fact that they were only able to put up 16 points is ridiculous. I mean, they don't have weapons like Robert Tanyan, though. Yeah, I mean, this is true. On. 
<laughs> who does really can we be honest who does you know and i think the thing about that is like i really hope that julio's hamstring injury doesn't buy dan quinn time just because you know that happens so often where the excuses are made because the the skill position guys are out for a game or two and it's just enough time uh to let uh gms rethink things or overthink things too much and i hope that's not the case mm. with dan quinn because honestly my man matt ryan deserves better say <laughs> it as a fantasy advocate of matt ryan he deserves better yeah all right well we'll move on from that um I think we could talk about Bill O'Brien and and failing coaches all day long. Maybe that's a future episode. Uh, But we will uh, go into a brief injury update before getting into the heart of our episode here. Uh, As always, we pull our injury updates from Pro Football Reference, so go check them out. Great site. Uh, First off, Austin Eckler out tentatively four to six weeks. Fire up your Joshua Kelly. Uh, Nick Chubb, he's out about six weeks too. That is... Uh, that was not a pretty injury. It was one of those non-contact, uh, injuries. That was, I didn't like that. Um, but big bump for cream hunts moving forward. Uh, OJ Howard Achilles out for the season. Sorry. All you, uh, OJ Howard truthers out there. Uh, it's, it's just done. Uh, Mike Evans questionable for matchup this Thursday, uh, with the ankle. I know he did not practice today, so keep an eye on that. Very fast turnaround uh, with the game coming up here in a couple days. Uh, our boy, this one hurts, Alan Lazard. Uh, he is out. No timetable for return at this point. Uh, yeah, that, that uh, hurts right here in the heart. Uh, <laughs> and then finally, uh, Leonard Fournette, again, with an ankle injury. Same as Mike Evans, questionable for Thursday. Keep an eye on that uh, to see if he practices and will be ready to go. Otherwise, be ready to pivot, folks. Uh, anything you guys want to comment on as far as those injuries? Yeah, the the Chubb was an MCL, and I, everything I've read says sprain, which mm-hmm. they're talking he's not going to miss the entire season. That was bad. He got rolled up on. He was blocking. He wasn't even like really part of the play. It was like a backside block, and his offensive lineman rolled a defender up into him. Uh, and the the other the Eckler injury, yes, roll out your Josh Kelly, but I think Kelly's still in that Melvin Gordon role, and so perhaps Justin Jackson will come in and and uh, catch the ball a little bit. And and I'm I'm interested. He, he's probably a free waiver wire guy right now because mm-hmm. everybody who has been a Justin Jackson truther has already uh, you know been angered enough to cut him for Robert Tanyan, you know, the flavor of the week. Well, and I was going to say, actually, Justin Jackson is my number one waiver pickup. I know a lot of folks are going to be pivoting towards Dearness Johnson just for the (laughs) few weeks. I don't know why that is. People are just obsessed with getting any number two there. I kind of get it, but I'm not going to be that guy this week. Well, and I I think people chase – the points, which drives me nuts. Mm-hmm. It, it's the Kevin Ogletree, uh, you know, back – this was probably 2012 when he went off in week one. He had two touchdowns, like 140 yards for the Cowboys. And everybody went out and spent all their fab for Kevin Ogletree. And I'm like, no, you're doing this wrong. I said, you don't you're, – you're not chasing the past. We want to we want to go after what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And, and and Justin Jackson, I have a lot more faith in, uh, you know, in terms of being a pass catching asset and and being able to be a at least a reasonable facsimile for that Eckler role. Mm-hmm. I agree. 
All right. Well, before we venture into the meat of our episode, I just want to say today's episode is brought to you by Restaurant.com. With Restaurant.com, you can save at thousands of restaurants across the country with just a few clicks. Their dining deals range from five to one hundred dollars, never expire, and cost you a fraction of the face value. Dinner has never been easier with Restaurant.com. Use for dining, takeout, or delivery. Restaurant.com is offering our listeners fifty percent off their next purchase by going to www.restaurant.com/podcast. In case you need. Spelled out. That's www.restaurant.com slash podcast for 50% off. Restaurant.com, the best deal every meal. All right. All right. Back at it. So, into our rookie review here. Four weeks into the season, we've seen some highlights out of these rookies, definitely seen some lowlights. Uh, we're just going to go through, pick a handful of uh, uh, players here who we want to talk about. And then uh, if we have time after that, we'll uh, keep talking until we uh, feel feel like not talking any longer about them. So um, I don't think there's too much to talk about with the rookie quarterbacks. Um, Joe Burrow is doing, I think, pretty much what everyone expected so far into the season. Uh, no real surprises there. He struggled a little bit, but showing definitely flashes of why he was the number one overall pick. Uh, I really like Justin Herbert, though. Uh, he looks fantastic, and I am really disappointed that I was not able to get any shares of him uh, in, in the rookie drafts this offseason because, man, he looks really good. It's funny because he, Herbert was was sliding down boards in my rookie drafts. Like, you could get him – you know, late first, sometimes early second, depending on how horny people were for Henry Ruggs and, and that, you know, type of receiver. Uh, but, and I even saw uh, Tua fall. Like, I got Tua at the fifth or sixth pick in several drafts because the running backs were pushed way up. Mm-hmm. Herbert, man, Herbert looks like kind of that next Josh Allen type player. And I, I don't mean to disparage, like, Josh Allen is all of a sudden, once they've turned up the volume, proven me wrong. Like, mm-hmm. I watched Josh Allen in college, and I'm like, he's not going to be – he's a, he's pretty mobile. He's got a big arm, but I don't believe he's going to be accurate enough uh, for the NFL. And I was 100% wrong on, on Josh Allen. And Herbert, I've got a little bit of a, a, an excerpt of what I wrote up on, on my film notes because I do I – do, I watch film and do notes. And I said, Herbert's six foot six. Tall, fairly mobile, although he's not really what you'd deem a running threat, but he's pretty accurate. He can manage a game making underneath throws and checking down, but Herbert also throws absolute piss missiles for deep balls, and arm strength is not going to be an issue. And you saw that twice this past week where mm-hmm. he just went over the top on a dime to the receiver in stride for, for touchdowns. And if he can do that and be as mobile as he is, he's exactly the this new generation of NFL quarterback where you can like run pass option, you can design uh, runs, he can get out of trouble. He, he does a pretty good job resetting his platform. And he really, really surprised me with how quickly he's grown into an NFL quarterback. So are you suggesting that he's better than Terod Taylor? Is that is that what I'm hearing, that he's I mean, a better quarterback? I'm not claiming medical malfeasance. I'm not <laughs> suggesting that that happened, you know, there was anything nefarious. But it, it wasn't the, you know, poking Tyrod in the lung wasn't the worst thing that happened to the Chargers. 
Mm-hmm. It certainly looks like all of those pass catchers especially are going to benefit from him being in there, of course. Keenan Allen, thank yeah. you for yes, letting yes. Keenan Allen be a thing this year because yes. it was not looking good while Taylor was in there, obviously. And I started to get real, real nervous as somebody who's been uh, trying to get him on all of my rosters. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So let's move into running backs. Cause like I said, quarterbacks, there's really only the two uh, so far to speak of this season. So Zach, why don't you start us off here with a running back you want to talk about? I mean, any of them. Let's, uh, let's start with Jonathan Taylor because he was my running back one. Uh, and you don't love the, the usage so far to start. Uh, you know, you had the, the first game where he didn't get many carries and he saw six targets, had six catches. And that kind of allayed fears that people had with whether or not he could catch the ball. But after the second game where he was just, you know, after, after Marlon Mack was, got hurt and, and uh, Taylor was fed, he had 19 carries and, and rolled up over 100 yards. The last two weeks, he really hasn't seen the volume of carries. And again, I'm not scared. You've seen what he can do, but it's it's one of those things where we we talked before the year on on the Dynasty Dummies podcast about uh, the new wave of of NFL is is doing a lot of running back by committee. They're doing a lot of getting guys rest. They're they're easing rookies in. I mean, you didn't expect uh, Marlon Mack to get hurt. Mm-hmm. If Marlon Mack is still there, that's a really congested backfield because you've got Hines, you've got Mack, you've got Taylor. Um, and, and so to me, I'm, I'm still excited about him as a player. I still think he's the best runner in the class, like as terms of pure runner, uh, he really reminds me of, of Nick Chubb. He's got that like long speed once he gets, you know, once he breaks one, it's the, the Adrian Peterson too, that same, you know, but he needs to get carries in order to be fantasy mm-hmm. productive. And right now that's not happening. So it's a, it's a, don't panic. Don't don't short sell on on uh, Jonathan Taylor, but also you know you you don't you don't have your running back one yet. Mm-hmm. It's peculiar. It's just peculiar, and I don't know that anybody envisioned Naeem Hines being as involved <laughs> as he's been thus far. I was all about saying don't discount him. He'll get in there and he'll get some touches. He might cipher some targets away. I didn't think he'd be ciphering everything away <laughs> from him at certain points throughout the game. So the play calling is odd. Uh, for right now, but it is only four games. And I know Dustin, you and I had both said coming into the season that don't really expect him to get the juices flowing until about halfway through. Mm-hmm. I think part of that was just the concern overall about rookies this year um, and how they would integrate into offenses with the bizarre offseason and all that. That really hasn't been the issue. It's just been a very strange bout <laughs> of play calling so far. Yeah, and I, I wouldn't be worried either. I mean, we uh, Jake and I, we, we got our fill of Jonathan Taylor here, uh, in Wisconsin. <laughs> so, uh, there were so many games where he would just, uh, not do much in the first half, uh, but yeah. they would keep feeding him the ball and then they would wear down that defense. And in the second half, that's where he would start breaking open these 30, 40 yard runs, you know, just taking it to the house. And, uh, that that's what the Colts have to do. They have to just keep giving him the ball, wearing down those defenses and, and he will not let you down. No, the man ran a 5K in college carrying the ball. Like, yeah. that's, that's <laughs> it's insane. All right. So, Jake, why don't you uh, give us our next running back? 
Well, I want to take us from sort of the top of the class then down to the perceived bottom of the class. Uh, and I, this was nobody was slighting this guy that I heard. It was just a lot of overlooking, myself certainly included. That was James Robinson. I don't think anybody knew really what to expect from him. Although I do have to give Zach a quick shout out here because I was <laughs> listening to one of your fairly recent uh, podcasts and you did mention this was before the Azigbo injury and all that. But you said just in terms of a, a between the tackles guy, he's great. He can do the receiving work. So I, I have to give you props there because that's bore out. I mean, obviously he was assisted with those injuries in the backfield there and that cleared the path. But the dude is RB6 through the first four weeks on a bad or at least mediocre offense and team in general. Um, no disrespect to the Jaguars, but I don't think anybody was expecting them to light the world on fire. <laughs> what he's done thus far is honestly kind of crazy because if Leonard Fournette had stuck around and done this exact same thing, I think everybody would be at least half of the people would be tripping over themselves to say, ah, look, at I, I thought he could do, you know, something close to this. And now James Robinson is doing much more than I think Fournette <laughs> could have done in this offense. And it's still just a lot of skepticism. And, and some of that is healthy, of course, to have. But I just think that this guy's uh, immediate future, at least, I mean, for this year, I don't see a way that he falls outside of my personal top 12. Uh, for the rest of this year. And and if the Jags do what I think the Jags would like to do, which is not invest too heavily in that position, I say, you know, give him a chance next year. And I'm not projecting a 10-year run with James Robinson lighting up the, the scoreboards, but I'm really interested to see what he looks like here uh, at the end of the season. It's, it's really that Austin Eckler kind of uh, archetype where you you have the, the injury – you have the uh, the availability. You have the carries and the touches available to, and and that was the thing. Like we we watched uh, James Robinson at Illinois State. Uh, we watched him in the preseason. I have a write up on him, and basically my write up says he he's very good. Uh, the combine showed that he is athletic enough to be an NFL back. And the question is going to be, what's his draft capital, and can he get on a field? And to to sit here, I can't tell you that I could have predicted him to be running back six because that's way out of the realm. Like I, I'm I'm not Nostradamus. Like I said, full disclosure, I am a dummy. We we own it in the in the show name, uh, and 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 we try to we try to uh, raise up our misses because I feel like you can learn more from them. But James Robinson, the reason why we were on James Robinson, the reason why you talked about, you know, me in the in the preseason talking about adding James Robinson to your roster is because, uh, you know, I missed on Eckler. It's, it's because I missed on um, his name escapes me now, but the, the um, other running back in Denver. Um, Philip Lindsay. Lindsay. That, yeah. So the, so those types of players. You got to get in early. Uh, you you can't you know you can't mess around because somebody's going to pick them up, and especially once they come in and do something. And so James Robinson was that archetype of player where you look at okay, Fournette is gone. Uh, you've got a chance for him to come in and take over a backfield, be both a pass catcher and a runner, and he can do both of those things. He showed that in college, albeit at a small school, and and so you know it's it's touches and targets drive fantasy points if he's running into touches and targets then that's a win mm -hmm. free money yeah absolutely right. <laughs> all right so i've got a couple running backs i just want to touch on briefly here and kind of get more of get your guys's thoughts on 
long term, more instead of uh, this season, because we haven't seen a lot from either of these guys, uh, although one of them showed out a little bit this last week. So the first one I want to talk about is uh, Keyshawn Vaughn. Uh, he kind of had an up and down off season here uh, with the draft and um, draft capital and, and all that uh, going to Tampa Bay, Leonard Fournette getting signed there, uh, Ronald Jones. Uh, uh, but he did show out a little bit this week. Uh, obviously, he is not the main guy. And I'm just kind of curious, do we think he could be the long term answer there in Tampa Bay? Uh are, are they going to hang on to Fournette after this season? Kind of kind of long-term prospects for him. I, I, I honestly don't think we're going to see much more than flashes out of him the rest of this season, kind of like we saw this last week, unless there's injury in, in front of him. Uh, but I'm, I'm kind of curious, again, long-term uh, after this season, what we think of him. So what I'd really like to see is them use Keyshawn Vaughn in the passing game because I think that is – Ronald Jones's uh, weakness uh, in terms of, and, and I, I've never been a Ronald Jones guy, but it's because I focus so much on pass catching running backs. Ronald Jones is is very dynamic. If you can get him in space, he is very quick. Uh, he, he's that kind of one cut go, like you know, house one. The problem is he plays like a scat back and doesn't have great hands. And so having having a guy like Keyshawn Vaughn who was adequate in the passing game in college. Uh, I always I always look for um, collegiate running backs to have 20 catches in a season, and it's not necessarily predictive in the in the like metric like sense of the of the word. But I do think that NFL coaches are not particularly creative, and if they see a guy do something in in college, they know he can do it in in the NFL, and and so I I, I always kind of liken it to. Uh, you're you're not going to develop toast. If you want toast, you're going to go out and buy a toaster and make toast. You're not going to go buy matches and and some wood and start a fire and then like you know try to hold toast over the fire. Like you're going to go buy a toaster and make toast. And and so I think the same holds true with with running backs. You see guys who caught the ball in college, and that translates to the NFL because NFL coaches are like, yeah, you caught it. We'll do that. We don't. They don't want to test something out when their job is on the line. And so I think that if if Keyshawn Vaughn can carve out a role uh, where the the dust of LaShawn McCoy uh, has kind of vacated, then then that will work out. Um, is is Keyshawn Vaughn a guy who's going to come in and take over a backfield? No, I don't think so. But I think he does complement Ronald Jones pretty well, and that could be a, that could be an asset where next year if if Ronald Jones gets nicked up. And Keyshawn Vaughn is taking some passing role. We call those pass catcher pluses because he can step in and, and carry the workload for you two or three weeks. And and if he does, that's a that's a weak winner. And if he's just getting the passing down work, that's a flex play. So you're saying he's next year's Naeem Hines. He, he very well could be. <laughs> Although I, so I always I always it's it's not necessarily Naeem Hines because I don't think Naeem Hines uh, carries the ball quite as well as as Vaughn. Um, but it's that, I mean, it's the Gio Bernard. It, 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 mm-hmm. it literally is, is a guy who, you know, maybe he's not quite a bell cow, but in a pinch he'll do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. First of all, can I just say that your toast analogy was one of the favorite things that I've heard in recent memory. So kudos on that. I just, speaking of, of coaching in general here, I am a little nervous about who he ended up with as his coach. Mm. Bruce Arians is, has 
proven to be one of the flightier coaches in <laughs> in recent times. And I don't believe it was always that way. But there's something about him now. And maybe I'm reading too much into the blurbs uh, and, and some of his phrasings on things. But it is he's very much people like to talk about the Belichick backfields and how impossible those were to detect. But Bruce Arians is not that far off. He's truly not. And so, yes, if Keyshawn Vaughn does not fart in his general direction for that week, then cool, you can fire him up and he'll be involved in that game plan. But if he does anything wrong in practice as a rookie, because I, I think that Arians has that in him of I'm going to be tougher on the rookies. Um, and, and also, he just doesn't fuck around. That guy does not have the mentality and, and ability to withstand that. So, so with all of that said... I think if Keyshawn Vaughn proves himself enough times in a row, then Arians will not be an issue. It's just if there is that back and forth at all where he has an off game, then I'm going to be wondering for the next week, shit, what kind of role is Vaughn actually going to have? That's my only concern, but I agree. I think there's a room. There is room for him to be the pass catcher there, and I hope he gets a shot. Yeah, same here. Um, and then the other one I want to talk about here real briefly uh, is Darrington Evans. Uh, I, I think we kind of expected him to have a bigger role than he's had so far to start the season, especially since, again, Derrick Henry is not known to be a pass catcher, and they got rid of Deion Lewis, so they, they need someone out of that backfield to be able to catch the ball. But it doesn't seem like he, he's been super involved so far, or as much as maybe I expected him to be involved. Uh, any thoughts on that i didn't love evans coming out of of school i thought uh i mean he was fine and and you also expected uh, two years ago Dion lewis to come in and take stuff away from derrick henry and and so you've just kind of seen what tennessee does and and they're going to feed the big man as many times as, as they can and so between the fact that i wasn't that high on evans coming out and you've got the the precedent set of Derrick Henry is, I mean, they're, they're not throwing the ball to running backs very often. And, and Derrick Henry is going to get most of the carries. So, I don't know. It, he's not necessarily, and, and plus draft capital. I mean, that that's the other thing that we, we kind of forget about in season. It, it's, it, but coaches don't forget about it. And, and you know, the, the player personnel department of NFL teams don't forget about it. And it's really difficult to as a player who comes in and gets drafted in the fourth or fifth round, it's really difficult to come in and, and it's not insurmountable, but to, to crack that lineup, to, to get playing time and get significant enough playing time for fantasy football. It's really tough. Uh, and, and you're also one of the first guys on the way out, you know, next year when, when they draft the, the next big thing, you know, the, mm -hmm. the flavor of the month. So. Mm -hmm. And that, that injury didn't help him at oh. all. And it would be, true for really any rookie that's coming in when you have to deal with an injury early on and you don't get that playing time right out of the gate it's it's tough you know so now we've got you know very very limited sample size but zach it's funny what you said because honestly i had hopes that evans would be basically 2018 Deion lewis which yeah. wasn't great by the way it was not <laughs> great it was much improved over 2019 Deion lewis <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, because he actually did get some targets in that offense but now, yeah, you're seeing Derrick Henry is actually getting targeted a, a good bit, at least for what Derrick Henry is used to. Eight targets through three games is not too shabby for him. And so if that's their plan of attack and, and they figure out a way to keep him on the field even more, it's going to be tough going for Evans. But I don't know. I wouldn't give up on him. Uh, if you can get him for pennies, 
I'd be interested. <laughs> so that going forward for next year, uh, you could have a shot at a fresh start, I guess. The, the thing I will say, though, about Evans is it's really it's really weird. It was like watching Devin Singletary two years ago where you expect him. He's not a big guy. You expect him to be a pass catcher, but he's more of a between-the-tackles guy than he is a scat back. And so it's not really the, you know, the foil that they needed for Derrick Henry. Mm-hmm. So. All right, before we uh, move on to wide receivers here, we got a question in the chat. Uh, Should I do OBJ and Mike Davis for Derrick Henry and Julio Jones? It's a full PPR league. I'm nervous about Julio. I'm going to come out and say it. I have Julio rostered, and that hamstring th- – I got I got real twitchy during that uh, Packers and, uh, and Falcons game on Monday night, seeing him just kind of all of a sudden fade out, and then he was back in the locker room without really much said about it. That's why they. That's why the Packers kept Adams out. They kept saying that is to avoid what just happened with Julio. And now the edge cliff might be overblown, but I like OBJ. I've been saying for a while. I just mm-hmm. I needed OBJ to have basically his blow up game. So he's not a guy I would be selling high on, so to speak, personally. The the only caveat I would have to that is Mike Davis. Okay, so CMC is coming back eventually. It's a high mm-hmm. ankle sprain. I mean, it's the same thing that Kamara and Barkley dealt with last year. I do think that that, that comeback presents potentially a buy low window on CMC because I think when he comes back, he's not going to be what you think of as Christian McCaffrey. Mm-hmm. But I'm not trading for Mike Davis right now, especially if I'm giving up. You know, if I'm giving up Derrick Henry, who I think is uh, a a very good, I mean, he doesn't do it in the way that I I traditionally build my running back room, but he does it, and he's that he's that outlier. He's the guy who's going to get 300 carries and and be a top 10 running back. And then the potential of adding Julio Jones if he gets healthy, you know, say the Falcons could sit him out now. I mean, it, they're owing for it. Doesn't mm-hmm. really matter. Like, what what are you doing? So. Um, I think I would, but I, oh, he says he has CMC too. That might change things. Um, because then you're getting, then you're getting whatever you're getting field. from. Yeah, you, you basically make one player out of Mike Davis and CMC. So I don't know. It's <laughs> it's basically. I, I, do you believe that at some point in this season that CMC is going to come back and be healthy? Because my other thought was, and I think we maybe talked about this a couple of weeks ago, Dustin, was what happens if the Panthers are doing abysmal midseason, and then do you risk bringing CMC back? I don't know. They did look pretty fantastic this weekend, so they might not be in the bad situation that they that I thought they would they would be. <laughs> so mm-hmm. they might have uh, an actual reason to bring CMC back. So. Yeah, that's interesting. For me, it is basically just OBJ versus Henry for the most part. But if you look at it that way, then it is Julio above Mike Davis. So if you're just doing the X's and O's, yeah, I could definitely see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, seeing how he has CMC, maybe not the worst trade in the world. Uh, like like we were saying, just kind of lock up that backfield. Then you're guaranteed the points in one form or another if you choose correctly as CMC is coming back. Uh, I don't hate it. It's it's actually fairly uh, pretty fair in my book. Um so I guess just go with your heart there, Connor. We don't have good answers this week. <laughs> We've given you no assistance at all in this trade. You're welcome, Connor. But thanks but, for watching. That's right. <laughs> so on the wide receiver, Zach, I'll throw it to you for your uh, wide receiver. 
we talked about this pre-show. I hate victory laps. Hate them with a passion. It, it's one of my least favorite things about Twitter. And having said that, I am going to 100% just shoot the moon victory lap <laughs> on Justin Jefferson, who is my wide receiver two in this class. And if I had any balls, he would have been my wide receiver one. No, I, I like CeeDee Lamb. CeeDee Lamb's fantastic. But I, I think that... You know, you saw him come out in the first two games. He was only targeted three times in each of those. Since then, you saw nine targets in week three, seven targets uh, in week four. He had over 100 yards in both of those games. I mean, he had 174, I think, in, in week three with that big 71-yard touchdown catch. Uh, he's currently ranked uh, eighth right now in the NFL in receiving yards as a rookie. He's currently ranked number one in Pro Football Focus's uh, wide receiver rankings. Uh, Arif Hansen, who's Arif, I think it's Arif, Arif Hansen, NFL. Uh, he's just he's a Vikings writer, so I, I apologize uh, to you guys, you Packers fans, but <laughs> we'll allow it. <laughs> he said that uh, Jefferson is the only player in the last ten years to have more receiving yards. The, the only player to have more receiving yards in the first four games in the last ten years. As a rookie, is Diggs. He's the only player in the last 10 years to have more receiving yards in his first four games. And Justin Jefferson didn't even play in the first two. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. man. Like, and, and now's the part where I come back to reality because we've victory lapped. We've had the, the fun. If you're rostering him, congratulations. Like, look, take out your headphones, stop listening to this, close your eyes, and picture that <laughs> touchdown that he had where he beat two defenders and just kind of like, shimmied into the end zone but you also have to understand that what's happening right now is not sustainable i mean there's no way he's going to put up a hundred yard game every game as a rookie it just doesn't happen but he is a stud he is an absolute stud mm -hmm. yeah he sure is i mean and that um with Thielen there i mean with the two of them that's just uh great compliments yeah. of each other uh to to get that single coverage i mean you got to pick your poison then uh at that point and then with Alvin Cook in the backfield i mean uh they, they the Vikings did well uh they got rid of Diggs and then brought in another stud i mean i hate to say it and i hate to give them props like that but uh yeah that that was a really nice pick by them and the thing i took so much flack for with Jefferson is you know you saw him play a lot in the slot uh, in college. And I had this, it was very similar to AJ Brown two years ago where I'm watching him. And I'm like, yeah, he's playing a lot in the slot, but when he gets outside, he can beat press coverage. He can, he's got double moves. He can beat man. He is Justin Jefferson is one of the, the best players I have watched. I've been, I've been scouting. We'll, we'll put air quotes around it, but, but I've been watching film for fantasy football for the last seven years or so. And Justin Jefferson maybe Juju Smith-Schuster, but Justin Jefferson is the best player I have watched at, at figuring out what a zone is doing and figuring out the soft spots and stopping in those soft spots, which is what you need. You need to create a throwing lane for your quarterback. Zones are cheats, and there's a hole in all of them. Mm -hmm. and, and he does that. And everyone was like, oh, he's just a slot receiver. He's just a slot receiver. I said, no, he can, he can slide outside. This last game, he played eight snaps in the slot and 43 on the outside. And he had 100 yards. Mm -hmm. Now, I was especially nervous about him uh, coming in at this early point because I was nervous about the passing volume. How much would be there in that offense, thinking that they're going to be run heavy, which they have been technically. They, they, I believe it's 113 rush attempts to 100 pass attempts. 
So, yeah, they are, but it doesn't really matter. And speaking about A.J. Brown, I've had similar reservations about A.J. Brown in the past. <laughs> I just need to stop <laughs> thinking so much about the pass volume, clearly, because if the talent is there and there's not a ton of competition, which I think is also crucial there. Yes, Thielen, great. I Nothing against Thielen at all. The tight ends are not as involved as I think a lot of people expected them to be. And so he doesn't have a lot going against him. And the talent is mwah, just chef's kiss all over that, mm -hmm. That's it. And I think I think that's the, the key for wide receiver it is, you know, running back, you look at situation, you, you want them to come in and, and have a job right away because the, the shelf life of running back is is not very long. And the window to actually become a starting running back and be fantasy productive is not very long at all. I mean, it's it's maybe three years, maybe. And if you haven't if you haven't put up, then you're, you're done with wide receivers. To me, it's so much more about talent. Uh, even a guy like Corey Davis, who you know has not done what everybody thought he was going to do, if he ends up on another team uh, and, and has a chance to get that volume again, I mean, he he had uh, a season where he was seeing almost thirty percent of the of the targets in Tennessee. There weren't many targets, but that's the thing with receivers. Um, and, and to me, when I when I scout receivers, I'm looking for three things. I'm looking for a player who can uh, attract big volume. Justin Jefferson did that. I mean, he had 111 targets, 111 catches at LSU his last year. I'm looking for a guy who can make big plays. So it's that's the the boom kind of the Deshaun Jackson, the Tyreek Hill, the that type of player because those get you points too. You have to be efficient, but they'll get you points. Or I need somebody who can who can get open in the red zone and score touchdowns because those are the three ways you score points in fantasy. You either need catches, you need yards, or you need touchdowns. And Justin Jefferson can do all three of those. To me, that's a that's a no brainer lock. Agreed. Mm -hmm. This is just me uncovering all of my warts here and how <laughs> I don't think things through sometimes with these guys. Because I am so much of that guy who's like, you know what I just need? I need Jarvis Landry. I need Jarvis Landry on my team so I know he's going to get 15 targets a game and I don't have to worry about how talented or deserving of those targets he is. He's just going to get them. Or Jameson Crowder. You know, I need that. <laughs> just all the volume. Give it to me. Uh, and, and sometimes that causes you to overlook a guy in this type of situation who's who's going to do it anyways. Mm-hmm. Yes. All right. Jake, who do you have for a wide receiver? Well, I this one is a, a is a bummer <laughs> um, because uh, I think a lot of us had anticipated a little bit more action than we've gotten. But LaVisca Chenault, uh, wide receiver for the Jags, it's look, it's, it's going to be fine. It's just not going to be fine soon enough <laughs> for a lot of folks. Um, you, you've seen some of the rookie mistakes really shine through already this early. Those can be remedied. It's not a big deal. But in some of those high profile situations where they needed him to catch the ball, couldn't do it. You know, and some of it was just that uh, that natural perception. Those instincts aren't quite there. And uh, you, you have to have sharp instincts if you're playing with a quarterback like Gardner Minshew because he demands that kind of thing <laughs> from you as a pass catcher. Uh, and, it's, and it's just not there yet. So I my outlook for him remains basically the same. It's just pushed down the road. Uh, I think by the end of this season, you'll have a much truer gauge of what to expect out of him going forward. Um, they need a guy like him there. I, I stand by that. I think that he would be the best thing for that offense. 
he's gonna he's he's gonna grow into my kind of guy, which I think is a, a ball hog. I think he's going to become that, but he's just not there now. So for now, I'm bummed. But I'm <laughs> <laughs> see, I, I get a little bit of a, a different take on Chanel because I I didn't expect him to be as involved in an offense as he is already. I mean, you you've seen him get 20 targets in in the first four games. You've seen him get nine carries in the first four games, and he. The, the thing to me, and that's what I said, the, the downside of Chenault is that he's really raw. Uh, you know, he looks out of place when, when uh, he's being pressed or has solid man coverage. He just doesn't doesn't know what to do. He was, even in college, was, was unable to create separation. And so much so that uh, on on third and long, or you, know, you saw four or five where they went for it on fourth down, he wasn't even the first or second read uh, in college. And so... I'm I'm heartened that the Jags are really trying to get him involved because I think that's what you've got to do with him. Like he is he is a Mack truck when he's got the ball. Like he is he's a running back, man. He's so big and so athletic and so strong, but he just doesn't quite know what to do with it yet in terms of of getting open down the field. And so I think you're going to have to do it's kind of like what the Patriots are doing with Nikhil Harry. You've kind of got to figure out Okay, we can run you on bubble screens. We can, you know, we can pull a guard and, and get you a little blocking and, and you can use your athleticism. But right now you're not a downfield guy. You may be. I mean, I, I think that Chenault tracked the ball as well as any player in this class on deep balls. It was just a matter of getting open on them. Like he, he doesn't have the, just the, the, the polish yet. He just doesn't. And it's tough to learn in the NFL, but getting on the field is how you learn. And he's doing that. So mm-hmm. that's true. I uh, dial up 10 end arounds for him a game. I don't <laughs> exactly. give a shit. get the ball in his hands and let him, let him pummel. Let him be that mm-hmm. big aggressive guy that, that we all know and love and want him to be for that. I, team. I, yeah. I tell you, I would even, I would even wildcat at the goal line. Just mm-hmm. take, take oh, Minshew yeah. out and just say, all right, Visca, go for it. Because I he did that. that. He did that in college and he was great at it. I love it. Let's mm-hmm. see. Let's see more. <laughs> LaVisca Chenault in the backfield. 20. Although I don't want it to take too much away from James Robinson, of course. So double <laughs> story there. Yeah, who knew there'd be a plethora of offensive weapons here on the Jags this season? <laughs> <laughs> All right. I want to talk uh, T. Higgins here real quickly. I didn't think he would be quite as involved as he has been. And I know it hasn't been super consistent so far, but the fact that he's been involved as he has been here to start the season is really encouraging. I don't think anybody really questioned the talent. And I think we all like the landing spot with a young quarterback there, Joe Burrow. They can kind of grow together in that offense. Uh, I don't know what to expect the rest of this season. I think it kind of depends if A.J. Green stays healthy or not. I think once A.J. Green is out of the picture, I mean, it is just giddy up and go uh, with this offense. I mean, as they continue to grow together, it's going to be really fun for a long time to watch them. And T. Higgins is just going to ball out. I'm so excited for him moving forward. The Bengals offense this offseason was so strange. And I'll be the first to admit, we talked we talked about it ad nauseum on this podcast <laughs> in the offseason. I projected nothing for these guys. I really didn't see a path to them being incredibly fantasy viable just because of all the question marks there. Rookie quarterback, also offensive line that was supposed to be salvaged by, you know, a former first round pick that didn't play yet. All these things. And then the most prominent thing 
this offseason seemed to be the too many mouths to feed argument for T. Higgins <laughs> was, well, where is he going to fall on that depth chart? Because it's A.J. Green and it's Tyler Boyd and it's Alden Tate and John Ross. And, and that has all just basically washed away at this point, which is awesome to see. We don't have to wait. I don't I don't think we actually have to wait for A.J. Green to get injured because one, I think he's always kind of perpetually injured. But two, I just don't think it matters that much. I think Higgins is earning the trust it looks like to me, at least mm-hmm. from my untrained eye, that he's earning that trust. And I hope he sees those seven target games all all season long. Mm-hmm. Well, that's that's what he's, he's got 22 targets in three games. I mean, that's that's what he's doing is, is seven targets a game. This is going to be – he's probably going to be my biggest miss because I had him in the second round of my rookie drafts. I think I hit him around 14 or 15 overall. Um, and watching him play – you know, you, you, you kind of, be, I mean, maybe it's because he was at Clemson and and followed Mike Williams, but I, you know, I kind of, you saw a lot of those same things where he was really good at the back shoulder throw, but is that a function of just being a big guy? You know, that, that in Debo Sweeney's offense, like, is that what you're, is that what you're doing? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, and, and so I, I watched him, those, those big kind of prototypical X type receivers aren't generally my bag. Um, because it takes a lot to drive the volume to those types of players, especially in the NFL now where they've actually started shifting. Um, well, so I, Peter Howard, I, I have a, a DM always going with Peter Howard because I am not a math guy. I am a film guy. And I, I know that there is tremendous value in numbers. And so I pick his brain all the time. And he actually has a slot rate uh, spreadsheet going for me that I have access to. And if you look at the trend in the last four years, the trend is your better receivers are spending more time in the slot. They've, they've realized that you can create matchup problems from the slot. So, you know, like uh, Juju Smith-Schuster slides in the slot. Uh, even DeAndre Hopkins, like his slot rate went up. Like it, it's it's a really strange – I mean, it's not strange. It's, it's, it's actually brilliant because you're creating matchups on the interior with your better receivers against slot corners. And that's not what Higgins does. And, and so it, it's – he was a guy that I'm going to miss on because I actually I actually think that he's now a buy. I think that you can see a path to him being the 1A to, to Tyler Boyd's 1B when A.J. Green goes away. And, I mean, you look at what Auden Tate did last year where, you know, he, he was actually viable. I think you got a better quarterback, and T. Higgins is a better version of whatever Auden Tate is. Mm-hmm. So that's a win. Yeah, absolutely. I'm 100% there. So uh, that leaves us with tight ends. Uh, none of the rookies really fantasy relevant. Uh, I don't know if either of you really want to touch on any of these rookie tight ends as far as uh, path going forward this season or maybe long term uh, outlooks. Adam Troutman has a shot to be something. That's all I'm going to say <laughs> about this entire tight end class for this year. Adam Troutman has a chance this year. Uh, a lot just has to break his way, but you know, he could be a guy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I like Troutman coming out. I liked uh, Bryson Hopkins out of Purdue coming out, but if you are, I mean, first of all, if you're, if you're counting on rookies to win your, your league this year, you're doing this wrong unless it's a running back. And if you're counting on, on a tight end to do it in the first three years of their career, you're doing it wrong. I mean, this is the time to go get Gasecki. 
I mean, or or it was before the, the season. Like this was the time to to go get Johnu Smith. This was the time to you know to go get those guys who've been in the league a few years who are now going to ascend into the top twelve. Because I mean, it's like we started off the show with, with the the tight end. You don't want to draft tight ends five through ten in ADP because four of those guys are not going to be in the top ten. You want to draft the four guys who are going between 15 and 25 who are going to be in the top 10, mm-hmm. and that's how you play tight end. I mean, it's the, the Mo Ali cox I have so much Jack Doyle, Mo Ali cox on my rosters because that was a team that I was sitting there going, Philip Rivers is going to use a tight end. I, I didn't expect it to be Mo Ali cox but he's <laughs> really athletic, and so it was like, okay, well, I'm going to get both of them because they're both free. Uh, and and that's that's how I played tight end. I um, I have so much of of those or so many of those back end uh, tight ends that you, you look at and you're like, oh, I don't I don't want to start them. But then all of a sudden you realize that the difference between tight end six and tight end 16 is like a point a game, <laughs> right. I mean, a point a week in fantasy. Like, like, OK, so why am I why am I paying up? To get those tight ends, so I don't have any. I don't have anything to say about the rookies. We'll we'll reconvene in three years and we'll talk about how how good Troutman and and Bryson Hopkins are to 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 be you know to be your next sleeper tight ends. Perfect. We'll yeah. we'll just pencil you in now. Yeah. And then we'll <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll get you. I'll get you in the in the in the calendar. Perfect. <laughs> All right. Um, well, then, any other of these rookies, whether it's running back, wide receiver, that we didn't touch upon, that you wanna talk about briefly here? I got a couple. I got a couple. Can we just real quick uh, bask in CD Lamb and and, and oh. realize that that he is going to be a, a wide receiver one for years? Uh huh. And if you got him, if he got pushed down by running backs in your draft class, you know, in your rookie draft, and and so he went behind Hilaire, he went behind Jonathan Taylor. If he was going behind Swift and Dobbins, you got an absolute steal. And sometimes he was going behind Acres because everybody is, you know, all in on running backs now. It's it's this is the new wave. We have to draft. Uh, 14 running backs in the first two rounds of, of dynasty and, and in Superflex. I mean, like you got like three quarterbacks, 14 running backs and, and Kelsey and then, you know, four wide receivers. Like, what are we doing? <laughs> but but man, C.D. Lamb, I, I had again, Peter Howard and I had this conversation and I said, I said, Peter, I need to run something by you uh, because I feel crazy. And I said, Amari Cooper and Gallup are still in Dallas. So Cooper saw 119 targets last year and Gallup saw 113. Cobb and Witten are gone. They both saw 83 targets. I said a logical leap is that Lamb is probably going to play the slot primarily because uh, both Gallup and uh, and Cooper, I, again, I have my, my slot rate chart. They were both under 11% for their entire career in the slot. And, and CeeDee Lamb had played 50% in college. I said, so, okay. So Lamb, I think, is better than Gallup. I think he's much better than Cobb in terms of talent. I don't think Jarwin, who's now gone, is as good as Witten. So all of a sudden, I'm sitting there looking at that Dallas receiving core saying, there could be three guys between 110 and 130 targets. And I'm not going to be shocked if CeeDee Lamb is the second. 
And he's like, no, nah, you're crazy. And I'm like, Peter, you're the one who says targets go to talent. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but and you lost him at vacated targets. You well, know no, that's I, not how you should have Well, and it's, he's, a, he's a Gallup guy, and he's always been a Gallup guy. And Gallup is good. And I, like, I can't argue with that. But CeeDee Lamb is next level mm -hmm. good. Like, Gallup was like end of the first round, early second round rookie pick. Like, I, I'm looking at him going, eh, he's okay. But CeeDee Lamb, I'm, I'm watching him and saying, CD Lamb is the number one player in, in this class, and I love Justin Jefferson. Like, and CD Lamb blows him out of the water. Like, what CD Lamb did uh, in, in college, man. And then if Amari Cooper moves on, oh. you got oh. you got the the number one. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, he is. I hate have that a... you said Blake Jarwin is not as good as Jason Witten, but I am on board with the rest of your take. <laughs> <laughs> Jason Witten was the was a tight end was a tight end one again last year. I know because I ran him out there. I'm like, yeah, that's because Dak Prescott literally just ran up and handed him the ball and then pushed him <laughs> over, but that counted as a catch, and so he got like a hundred of those, and then he was fine. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, like like that's that's. I mean, and Prescott, man, they're they're letting Prescott just fire the ball. Mm -hmm. I mean, one, their defense is terrible. I mean, uh, Odell Beckham just ran for seventy three yards on him. So. Like. Well, it's a typical Mike McCarthy offense, let's be honest. Good offense, bad defense. Throw the ball a thousand times. <laughs> yep. But no, CeeDee Lamb, man, I, 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 you know, going in, he, the, the talent was undeniable, but I did not think he would flash this early in the season. Again, I, I typically am one of those fade the, the rookie wide receivers until the second half of the season, until they get acclimated to the NFL, uh, learn their position, you know, a little bit better. Uh, but yeah, he's just stepped right in and is, he's just a man. Oh, and it yeah. is fun to watch. It really is. Well, and, and the great part about him is not only is he a fantastic receiver, but watch him on a play where they run the ball to his side. And he is laying the cornerbacks out. Like, he will get in and stick his nose in blocking. I absolutely love him. I mean, he's just – he's got that dog in him where, like, you know, a lot of wide receivers you see, they're divas, and they're like, yeah, well, I'm, I'm going to get in front of a defender, but I'm not going to really – like, Lamb will hit you. Lamb will pop you in the mouth and then and then beat you down the field on the next play. And I, I love that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And you have one more for us? I got I got two more deep guys. All right. Deep guys. Lay it on us. So so Darnell Mooney is my most owned player in in Dynasty right now because in the fifth round of every rookie draft I had, I'm looking around and I'm like, yeah, Darnell Mooney's still there. He's he's got a little bit of Jarvis Landry in him, but he runs a four three. And you know, he's the he's actually seen some targets with the Bears. I'm not sold on Anthony Miller. If the Bears figure things out with their offense and at quarterback, and it wouldn't surprise me in a year or two to see Darnell Mooney surpass uh, Miller as the two. And he's free. I mean, he may be on your waiver wire, depending on how, how deep your league is. Uh, but he's, he's just, again, it's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for a guy who can either generate volume, which – maybe he can but have big plays and he man he can do that because he's got that four three speed uh and, and if you if you watched any of him in college there are a few plays where he would catch the ball in the flat make a defense i mean like teleported on a defender the defender's gone and then he's four three down the sideline and it's just like what what just happened and you're like okay darnell mooney's all right and, <laughs> and i think that i think that he's a, a, a player that not many people talked about 
before the season. I don't think he's mm-hmm. a player that too many people are talking about now, but he's a player that I, I want on the back end of my dynasty teams because I feel like you get you you clog up the back end of your of your, of your roster. Like I, I I had rosters where I still had um like Hollywood Higgins. I had I had rosters where I've got like I mean just guys you're never gonna play. So why not take a shot on on somebody like uh, like Darnell Mooney, who's got that potential to you know eventually maybe be a two. And the other one I'm just gonna slide right into it because I can is Gabriel Davis with the Bills. And again, the Bills look like a really crowded spot. And before this season, I would have told you to pound sand because I I never thought that I would see the day where Josh Allen was throwing for 300 yards <laughs> right. uh, in, in a game, let alone four games in a row. Like I didn't anticipate this mm-hmm. volume, but he's been quietly good in that really crowded receiving room. So you've got Obviously, you've got Diggs, you've got John Brown, uh, you've got Peter Howard's doppelganger running out of the slot and Cole Beasley. Uh, but if you look at John Brown's contract, John Brown is signed through 2021, but next year he's only like a one point, I think it's like 1.3 or 1.2 against the cap. And it would be about an eight, $8 million savings if they, if they cut him. And I'm not saying they will because he's a good player, but if uh, Gabriel Davis kind of shows out, You've got that option as the Bills to cut $8 million off your salary, continue to put pieces in front of Josh Allen, continue to build that defense, and slide Gabriel Davis in there as a, as a viable deep threat. So he's another player that is basically free that, you know, I, I like the situation and I don't dislike the talent. And you put those two things together and, and that's not a bad free play. So Gabriel Davis could end up being what people wanted Robert Foster to be from a fantasy perspective. Obviously yes. not a one-for-one one comparison there, but <laughs> just from a fantasy perspective where people were willing to eat him up on the back end of their rosters for weeks, <laughs> months, seasons, uh, whatever, until he was finally cut away. So uh, I love those deep bench stashes, especially when you're talking about rookie wide receivers. So I love uh, that you brought up those two names. I I had thought about mentioning Quintez Cephas as that kind of guy, yes. but I'm still, yes. you know, it's like you got to see him at least slide in and produce right away when given the opportunity. It's like, whoa, I didn't expect to see that Cephas is either. a bully. So yeah, he he really will throw a guy around. So that's nice to see. Again, not just mm-hmm. not just the Wisconsin homer in me, but <laughs> certainly that doesn't doesn't hurt. Uh, and you know, Marvin Jones is is probably not long for the NFL for for too much longer. I'm not, I'm not trying to cut his career uh, away <laughs> from him here, but you know, you just you just add up those timelines, and I'm kind of psyched for him too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I I like that. I think that's a great call. Cephas. His path is kind of uh, Preston Williams-ish because you had the off-field issues. Although his the the court thing kind of went away, got got dismissed, and and but that was a that was kind of a black cloud hanging over him, and I think that hurt his draft stock. I think it, it uh, you know hurt everybody. Kind of stopped looking at him, and and it's hard because you get in fantasy, you have all of the people looking at metrics. Well, if you have a player who didn't play for a significant portion of seasons, then the metrics are all kind of hinky. To, that's the technical term for it. <laughs> for sure. And, yeah. And, uh, and and so, you know, you have to rely on film. And, like, watching him on film in the, the few games that you got of him, you're like, wow, like, he's he's a man among boys, man. Like, he'll he'll go up and get it. He'll, he'll out-physical you. Like, 
and he did. He even did that in the first game of the season with the Lions. Like he was throwing guys. You're like, okay, okay, I see you, I see you, Quintez. <laughs> yeah, I like to see that too. Obviously, as a Wisconsin Badger fan, uh, always good to see your team uh, produce NFL caliber players. Uh, but yeah, I did not expect him to jump in right out of the gate like this. Uh, and show out like he did. I thought he was going to be more of a, maybe a couple year project, a couple years down the road. Uh, then he, you know, like, like you were saying, Jake, after Marvin Jones, maybe uh, leaves the team, then he would step into that number two role. Uh, so it's, it's good to see that he flashed it and he, and, you know, can play at that NFL level and uh, hopefully he continues to grow and uh, we can get him snagged up on a few more of my teams before he uh, blows up big. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I feel like this was a good episode. What do you two think? I think you're underselling it. I think this was a great episode, personally. <laughs> I, I, I had a blast. I mean, this was – but talking rookies, man, and, and coming in, hanging out with you guys, I mean, we, we've interacted some – and that's what you said, Jake, when, when you messaged me. You said, yo, I've always enjoyed our interactions on Twitter. And I'm like, well, yeah, let's let's do this. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm, I'm all about – like, I always find that – uh, you know, you, you get on a show with people and, and all of a sudden you realize you're like, oh, it's been an hour and a half. And, and you're like, you know, sitting there talking like your old buddies hanging out at the bar. And, and it's, it's not not much better way to spend a Tuesday, I don't mm -hmm. think. It's the beauty of yes. football and especially fantasy football, man. That's right. That's right. So um, just one last note here before we uh, uh, sign off. Uh, we do have our first bye weeks coming up, folks. Uh, we have Green Bay and Detroit both on bye this week. So please take them out of your lineups. Do not start them. They will not get you any points. Uh, 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 so just be be uh, aware of that, please. So, uh, Zach, thanks again for coming to join us. Why don't you tell us one more time where folks can find you? Yeah, I am at Tass of Assassin 13 on Twitter. You can find me over at my home at the uh, the DFPN network. It's the only network in town. And uh, I uh, am the lesser half of the Dynasty Dummies. Uh, you, you should be following Kyle, who's at Caleb Breck. Uh, he's he's much better than I am. I'm, I'm just the guy who hits the softballs. He does all the pitching. So, Yeah, and if you guys aren't listening to their uh, podcast, it is great. Uh, it's one of the first Dynasty podcasts I, I uh, came across. So I've been uh, following you guys for quite some time now, and uh, uh, you guys are awesome. So uh, it was really big for me to have you on our show here because, like I said, I've been following you now for a few years, and uh, uh, you guys put out just great content all the time. So uh, keep up that great work we do appreciate it uh we're just a couple of dummies man but i appreciate it and stop underselling yourself you are an equal half of that part. you and kyle both deliver the goods all right jake where can folks find you you can find me on twitter at jake trowbridge and you can find our podcast at drinking fantasy on twitter and find me at ff dusty dog on twitter and until next week folks keep drinking and talking fantasy football cheers ffers Peace.